Aaron. Speaking the truth to the state capitol, this is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, Thursday, August 18th, uh, 88 degrees outside, feels like 89, uh, but it's another great day here in the capital city. Um, excited about today's show. Uh, follow me here. Where I'm going to work backwards. Second segment um, due to Nancy, a 46-year uh, geriatric nurse, and her questions about PTSD and, and uh, mental health. I'm going to cover uh, my story and saga with that through our United States military. Also, Ron's question, um, which generally was, do you trust the FBI? Um, I'm going to give that a little more time because I thought it was an interesting question. But first, I- I'm really happy to welcome um, first congressional district Democratic candidate Patty Panzine Brooks on the show as the first uh, elected official state level and national candidate uh, Democrat to come on our show as we try to honestly be open to all kinds of people, even though we lean right. Um, I know we can get off to a good start because right on her website, she has a quote I agree with. Helping people is what it means to be a Nebraskan. More than politics or party, love fuels the fight for real change. When we love our families and our communities, and when someone is in need, we must step in, speak up, and make change happen. I 100% agree with that. Uh, Patty Panzing Brooks, welcome to Drive Time Lincoln. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, I always, for all the candidates, no matter the office, I act as if uh, nobody knows who you are. So a little background on yourself and upbringing and why um, you've decided to kind of step it up and serve uh, in the U.S. Congress. Well, okay, I'd be happy to. So I am a lifelong Lincolnite. I'm among five generations to live in Lincoln. Uh, my, My people sort of say, well, why? why did you run for office like this? And, you know, I think that uh, when I look back, it's probably something genetic because my dad, uh, when he, he was wounded in World War II and came back and started a law firm with former uh, Governor Bob Crosby and my uncle Bob Gunzel, and um, then he, he, he ran for city council. And then... Um, after that, he, he ended up dying uh, from lung cancer when my when I was around 14, and my mom decided to start helping kids who were having trouble learning to read, specifically with dyslexia. And so she started teaching teachers one at a time uh, on a system called the Orton-Gillingham Method, and then decided it would be much better to uh, reach more t- teachers at once. So she ran for the school board and ended up giving my giving me my diploma when I walked across the stage uh, graduating from Lincoln Southeast High School. That's that's really cool. It was cool. I I don't know who was more proud. I think I was. And she was a precious, wonderful person, as most people think their mother is. So So you kind of had a family calling um, of service all throughout. Yeah, I think that, you know, my dad used to really uh, talk to us. he was a lawyer, and um, we have a lot of lawyers in the family, uh, and so I think that um, he really talked to us a lot about the importance of the Constitution, the importance of our democracy, having uh, fought for our country in World War II. Uh, I really got a, a love and um, devotion for the country, and so I think that, 
you know, I was a Republican growing up. They were all Republicans, and I actually co-chaired the Lancaster County Republican Party in the late 80s, early 90s. And so I think that has really had an effect on me. Then once I got into the legislature, uh, I I really learned about the value of nonpartisanship and the ability to work uh, across the aisle, not for party, but for Nebraskans. And so that's my goal here. When this uh, journey opened up and we redistricted and it became a little bit easier for a Democrat to run, um, I, I started recognizing that I, I almost have a duty like we have a duty to vote, that I need to, um, when this opened up, I thought, I, I've got to do what I can to try to bring us back together. We are not each other's enemies. We are each other's uh, brothers, sisters, families, neighbors, and friends. So that's my goal, is to try to find 40 people of goodwill, no matter the letter behind their name, Republican, Democrat, or Independent, to try to work together for Americans and Nebraskans and not for the parties. Yeah, well said. It's been a difficult, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say decade, but I definitely feel like you do that we've become more divided. And even though I myself will say some divisive things from time to time, I hope that people understand my mission is to Bring us together and to solve uh, common problems for the common good. Tell us about some of your platform items. Obviously, you're running against uh, Mike Flood, and there was a special ele- uh, election. Excuse me, um, but tell us about some of your platform items and and what really makes up your campaign and your beliefs. Okay, thank you. Well, um, I'm you know I'm concerned about obviously when I call people, I ask people what their major concerns are, and that's what I care about is what what I'm hearing from Nebraskans and what I'm hearing about is inflation and government mandates on health care. Those are the two key issues. Not even a, a there is not a, a close third. And so you know part of the issue of inflation is working on lowering the prescription drugs. Uh, helping to um, lower the premiums for uh, the Affordable Care Act for those that are in need. And so those are some things. I think that uh, one of the, I, I've worked pretty heavily on workforce development in the Nebraska legislature, and that is one of my key worries for our state is making our state welcoming, making sure that we have enough people, enough women, enough men, uh, to be able to help our businesses thrive, to help this state grow and uh, continue to, to thrive economically. Yeah, I think everybody uh, absolutely would love that and share that. One of the things, uh, I always open things up and callers are always texting and stuff, but um, what do you agree with your opponent on? Are there things you agree, you and Mike Flood agree on? That is a really good question. And I've talked about the fact that I won't attack him personally, but I will, uh, you know, mention and, and distinguish uh, the places where we are not aligned. And I think that economically we're quite aligned. We both care about how this country moves forward. We care about inflation. We care about, um, although he did vote against the inflation uh, act just recently, but uh, which I couldn't really understand. But I, I do believe that he cares about that. And, um, you know, I think I, I spoke at LIBA recently with him and uh, he said at that point, oh, well, now you see the differences between us. And really, the differences are not clear economically. I, my husband and I have a small business. Uh, we have, it's a small law firm that we opened together. We've struggled through that whole thing, trying to help it grow. But the other thing that we've done is 
the, our area of emphasis is on small businesses and uh, business law and helping uh, businesses to thrive and grow. And we've done that for hundreds and hundreds of businesses since we opened in 1986. And now we're working, uh, my husband has a specialty in broadband development and is now working uh, to get broadband across the state. He's, in, he's started a new business with um, a wonderful person, David Young, and there's just a lot of hope uh, by working on these things for Nebraska. So, uh, again, I think that the infrastructure uh, or the, the economy and helping us thrive and, and work for the small businesses and, and the people that really help this country and our state, there, there's where we do have some agree, uh, agreement, definitely. No, great answer and, and very educational. One of the things, and you kind of brought it up, um, and it's it's a core part of just who you are with speaking with you with a short time, but I mean, looking at your website and what you're running on, um, which is kind of togetherness and common solutions. What is your take or what do you think can be done about, you know, if elected, the divisiveness that's in America and, and how we can take, you know, different, uh, different, I guess, sides of, of arguments and, and try to come together for the greater good. What are some of the things that you think you could help out with in that endeavor? Well, I, I look at, at what we do in the Nebraska legislature and the fact that we're nonpartisan. And, you know, about three or four years ago, I added up all the bills and we were at about, I don't know, 1300 or something like that. And then I, I looked at each one and determined how many uh, we voted on unanimously or nearly unanimously, maybe up to five people, five no votes. And uh, it was 87% unanimously or nearly unanimously. I mean, yeah. the people in, in the state don't realize that because of course, uh, the news media has to report on things. I mean, it doesn't really do any good to tell, you know, a thousand bills. Well, they've agreed on that today, and then they agreed on this today. You know, I think that um, that, that that's a really interesting fact, fact about Nebraska that people don't know. And, you know, we can find common ground. We can, uh, in the Nebraska legislature, day in, day out, we work together. And, you know, there are times where... Um, I'll, we'll have one whole set of people where they don't agree with something you might really care about. And then on the very next uh, bill, we have to switch alliances. And, and the same group that was battling with you is now working together on, on another key issue. That's where I learned we cannot, uh, you know, hold grudges. It does no good. Uh, you know, otherwise nothing would get done in this legislature. And that's one of the reasons that our legislature is stronger and more powerful and more capable than any other legislature in the country. You know, in this chair, I hear a lot of pros and cons for the unicameral. And I'll tell you what, you, you just described a, a really good pro of how our unicameral works and the nonpartisan nature, uh, even though people have their beliefs. And so, uh, well said. You know, a lot of people are always interested. It's kind of a hot topic for some and not everybody. Maybe it depends where you live in Nebraska, but climate change. I, I have to think that you support climate change and some of the different policies there. Am I correct in that? Well, I don't really support climate change, but I do support uh, working on uh, ways to address, certainly. Yeah, um, thanks for clarifying. I, I, I messed that one up. Um, no, that's, I knew what you meant. So <laughs> I definitely, you know, uh, in the legislature, I've, I've worked to bring a, 
a bill to address extreme weather events. And, you know, the military has uh, has an entire plan on how they're going to address it. Uh, all sorts of states have it. And finally, this year, we uh, decided to create a plan. And, you know, I, I've there, there are people that just do not like the word climate change. And I'm happy to talk about extreme weather events and um, what, what we're going to do to, you know, if you think about back in, when I was back in Sheridan Elementary, we had tornado drills where we were, you know, getting under the, under the desk to sure. prepare. Well, that's extreme weather preparedness. And that's what, that's what we're talking about. You know, are our are, are, uh, levees high enough? Are we able to um, prepare and protect farmers uh, sufficiently so their, their crops are not just devastated by whatever, either, either um, a drought like we're having right now or, or uh, a huge flood event? So we really do have to work hard. And I think that we have, what I want to make clear is that there, I do not believe there's any silver bullet right now on uh, energy. And I think we have to have a diversity of energy uh, sources from ethanol to solar to wind to petroleum, natural gas, hydrogen, fossil fuels. There is no silver bullet. But I'll tell you what, Nebraska could be a leader in these areas. You know, um, we we already had uh, that special um, that special uh, bill where they they changed and increased the level of ethanol that was is allowed yes. in, uh, in gas. And you know, the other thing is that it's not just corn that that uh, can create ethanol. Uh, other beans can like soybeans. And so we have we ought to be a leader in this whole area. Um, making renewables uh, a, a wonderful part of our economy and a, a strategic way to help Nebraska be part of the solution uh, of, of how to get us out of the, the the gas prices, which are decreasing now, but also out, out of some of the inflation issues that are developing from the lack of Ukraine's wheat and, and their grains being able to get uh, sent to other countries. So, I just feel like we ought to be ready and and able to lead in these areas. Well, and I agree with you on on what I'll call a diversity portfolio. I think it's healthy, and and I think that, uh, and I think Nebraska, as much as we want, can be in a leader in a lot of different areas. And I'm always a fan of that. Um, again, we're on with uh, first congressional uh, candidate Patty Panzine Brooks. Um, running for that against Mike Flood. One of the things that I'm sure you hear too uh, right now, kind of a hot topic, um, and, and, and it generally comes out in the schools, but I'm going to talk about your plans or thoughts on balancing beliefs like gender identities and medical procedures and, and how that can get a very fired up um, with others who don't believe in those things. How do we... How do we solve those type issues, not just for children, but for young adults and really our adults as we move forward in the kind of LGBTQ uh, plus communities and 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 into the future? Well, uh, first off, if I'm understanding your your question completely, but um, we have to uh, respect people's differences and we have to understand that, uh, again, workforce equity or workforce development is the number one issue for the state chamber. It's so important to the state chamber that on my bill to um, have workplace equity part of our statutes, 
the entire state chamber, the Lincoln chamber, the Omaha chamber, Norfolk chamber, uh, and, a, and a few others all came on board supporting that because we educate kids and then all of a sudden they're going to other states because they aren't feeling welcomed here. Mm-hmm. That's a crazy loss of resources. And, you know, the fact that whoever I have a picture of on my desk shouldn't affect my capability or my competence in the workforce. And uh, if for some reason it is or having being some sort of crazy distraction, then I guess there's a discussion to be had with the employer and the employee. But right now we have we are not uh, we do not have a, a, a deep enough workforce to be able to be picky about who in the world we're hiring, and um, that includes. You know, we've got all sorts of people that are competent. I have a son who's now working in in national security. He has such a high uh, level of security, and he's working with a uh, a cyber analyst and has a focus on China. I have no idea what he does because it's so beyond what I can know. And um, so, you know, but he's gay, and he could just as easily be working here at Stratcom. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. they, they would love to have him. I've had uh, various uh, generals up there say, oh, my gosh, can we get him back here? And, you know, no is pretty much the answer. Um, and I can't think of anything sadder as a mom. And, sure. uh, you know, it's, it's really important to be able to say, okay, we need competent people here. I don't care what the picture of the person on your desk is. We need you here to fill our jobs, to, to help our state and our economy thrive and and just burst with with goodness and value yeah absolutely we all can learn a little bit more about just humanity and and moving forward it's a big world and it's diverse and and i I think all people uh deserve a fighting chance we're on again with uh patty panzine brooks i want to give you one minute um just uh and then i know you've got to get going but uh anything uh for the voters out there any places to find you contact you well, yes, definitely. Uh, my website is Patty for Congress, P-A-T-T-Y for Congress.com. And you could come there. Uh, if you feel like sending in a contribution, that'd be fabulous. I'm spending a lot of time um, around the entire district. We uh, have spent a lot of time up in Sarpy and, or, and are about to open a small office up there. Uh, we have, um, we are also in Columbus and Norfolk and Fremont and Seward County and we're, it's really a blessing to go around this state, meet people, hear about their concerns. No matter what happens, I, I will always be grateful to, for the people that were so kind to discuss their issues with me, to move forward, and and to support support a lot of what I'm doing. And and even those that don't support, I appreciate their time. I'm happy to discuss things with them. And, you know, there are some things we can agree to disagree on. But we are Americans, we're Nebraskans, and we're each other's neighbors. That's what's important. Patty Pansy Brooks, I want to thank you so much for coming on Drive Time, Lincoln. Uh, Very good to get to know you, and I'm sure the listeners appreciate it as well. And I wish you the best of luck. Well, thank you very much. I'm happy to come anytime. You're doing a great job, Jack. And I, I love that you started off that you're the commander. So I may have to call you commander from here on. Oh, please don't. Please call me Jack. It's just a radio I, tagline. <laughs> I love it. I think it's awesome. All right. Take care. Thanks so much. All right. All right. Bye.
oh, that was that was good. I hope we'll get more Democrats because uh, more diverse. I hope we'll get more independents on the show. Let's get to a break here. Uh, Fourteen hundred ninety nine three KLI. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, folks, uh, Thursday, August 18th, second segment here, 537 uh, I am Jack Riggins, host of Drive Time Lincoln. Johnny Cadillac is producing. Uh, just had a good uh, first segment with uh, first congressional district candidate Patty Pansy Brooks on the Democrat side, um, running against Mike Flood. Um, so you had the special election, and now in November we're going to vote on that same thing. Um, was a good interview. It's always difficult, phone interview, 20 minutes, but uh, we, we got as much in um both on her side and, and what she believes and what she wants to do, as well as uh, questions from the audience uh, via the text line. I appreciate that. Sorry we couldn't get to everybody's, but sounds like she'd love to come back on anytime, and I appreciate that. Um, I'm a man of my word. I, like I said, I'll, I'll put any political candidates on here to talk to us so we, the people, can get educated um, on the issues and, therefore, um, the candidates and be educated voters, because I think it's really important. Um. Of note, I will open the call lines because I'm not going to be here tomorrow. Doug Fitzgerald and I, Caleb Henry, Caleb Henry uh, from LNK Today and our sports director will be producing the show tomorrow. I have got to go do some family soccer stuff uh, this weekend. Uh, Johnny, do you got something to say? And I will be ring announcing and commissioning tomorrow night's MWA show. Oh, there you go. Me and Johnny got... Crazy sports things to do. Yep. Uh, one of the things I wanted to remind you about is uh, I talk a lot about uh, astrology, astronomy, and Australia. But in this case, astrology-wise, out uh, at Branched Oak Observatory, my friends out there that we have on all the time, um, Saturday, August 20th at 7 p.m., they are doing the uh, Discovering the James Webb Telescope, which is the newest, probably most sophisticated piece of machinery technology ever invented by man, and they are going to uh, put on a show learning about that amazing telescope and what it will be revealing to all of us in the years and decades to come. So please go out there and check out the awesome presentation they're going to put on. Uh, They're partnering with the Prairie Astronomy Club from Lincoln. And also, as they always do, recognizing community superstars, which this week, which is Saturday, August 20th, 7 p.m., uh, is law enforcement. So if you know anybody in law enforcement, current, retired, go on out there and be part of their uh, raffle and uh, always amazing prizes out there, um, a set of binoculars and uh, all kinds of things. It's going to be sponsored by uh, Security First Bank. They'll have a barbecue, food truck. Seriously, go on out to Branch Oak Observatory, uh, 7 p.m. Saturday, and enjoy learning about the James Webb Telescope. It's going to be a good event, but 
to further prove that this will forever be an inside joke between you, myself, Matt Anderson, you said astrology-wise, right, going into that. I was like, astronomy-wise, Jack. Right, it was a joke. I said astrology, (laughs) astronomy, Australia. I I give it the triple A's. Yeah, and then, yeah, and he said astrology-wise, and then... Well, yeah, so for the remainder of my time on air, even though somebody somewhere is getting mad that I'm not (laughs) pronouncing things correctly, I'm going to have, like in this case, three words for me, astrology, astronomy, and Australia yep. all mean astronomy. So that time you were over the producer's head. Right. So kudos to you. I was yeah. like, I was trying to correct you, and I'm like, no, yeah. it was a joke. Come on, Johnny Cadillac. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Not everybody's going to follow. You'd have to be listening from day one to know how many times I've messed that up. But, uh, hey, it's, I guess it's part of the brand. Um a lot of great texts. Like I said, if you want to call in, uh, feel free. We'll take it. I've got a couple of things, though, I want to um, go back to because there were some great calls and texts yesterday. First, I'm going to start with Ron. He both texted and called in, and, and his point was, he was just asking me point blank, do I trust the FBI? Now, obviously, his question is coming given the recent events in Mar-a-Lago and things like that. Now, what's interesting, right, is I've served along uh, most of these agencies. I wrote down a couple. Um and so I know a lot of people that have served as long as I have in them are still serving. And so I wrote down Department of Justice, FBI, CIA, IRS, only because it's in the news, U.S. military. And I guess what I think CIA, I'm talking about the entire uh, intelligence apparatus. So if you ask me that question point blank at this time in my life, um, institutionally, okay, Right, like at the the highest levels of the institution, I do trust their mission. I do trust what they do, okay? And the people, the rank-and-file people, right? I do trust what they do. But I am a realist in that there are always bad apples, right, that can be placed in organizations from the top all the way to the bottom with different levels of management or oversight. And it seems to me that a lot of these organizations over the, I'll call it the last eight years have at times gotten politicized. And I don't agree with that. I don't like that. Do I think that they're politicized in a way with, we use the words, do you trust? Um, In that case, no, I, I don't trust when I sense organizations that are supposed to be on mission and doing something that is essentially, you know, black and white with the law or the military or, you know, intelligence collection. Um, I don't I don't like any shape or form when they venture into the political realm. But I believe that happens by bad apples, not by the institution. Maybe I'm naive. Um, but there's a lot, hundreds of thousands of good people that work in these environments, and, and these are good people. So I trust them, and, and the institution as a whole, I still think they're holding up their missions, so I trust that. But there is definitely a fracture in the trust given the politicalization that is occurring you know, in different points and times, um, and that is frustrating. And that is also history lesson, kids, history lessons, adults. That is also one of the reasons the founding fathers 
wrote some of the things they wrote in our Constitution. (laughs) Hate to say it, hate to turn it into guns, but the Second Amendment, right? Because an armed populace, at minimum, in the worst case scenario, is there because of oppressive potential government. Because that's what they were fleeing. And that's what, in human history, tends to happen when certain people are in power and certain people aren't in power. And so all of those organizations being an arm of the government have the potential um, to get corrupted, either by individuals or as a whole or by policy, including the president, including Congress, including the Senate. Right, the Supreme Court, to a degree, at least there's the laws. Not to say it can't be corrupted, but it has a little more, uh, you know, here are the laws and let's interpret the laws. But that that's built into our system, folks, and you shouldn't get fired up about that. Uh, you really shouldn't because it's all there as well as the people having accountability over organizations so that, A, there is trust, and B, it doesn't become oppressive. So, long answer to that, Ron, but I thought it was a good question. Okay, this is a boy. So, Nancy wrote in long text. She shared a great amount, and and we might not even have enough time here. But let me give you the the quick five W's. Uh, She's a retired geriatric nurse of 46 years. Um, She really wrote to me a lot about um, the pros and cons and um, traumatic events that can happen in nursing um, over, you know, 46 years um, from obviously the trauma of injuries and dealing with people to the deaths of people to, um, you know, taking people, um, you know, from being alive, you know, to passing away, you know, and, you know, if they're donors and, and all of that and organ stuff. So this is some gory stuff. I'm not I'm not going to run through it other than to say thank you. Nancy, for your service and and everybody that is in um, the mental uh, the mental I'm going to talk about mental health here in a second in the you know in the care fields and so there's no doubt while the military gets a lot of kind of ooh the fanfare of words like PTSD or other things um, it's out there for everybody it's just these type things trauma shock depression mental health issues every human being deals with these. Um, and some people are exposed to more than others and, and might have it. But she asked some really pointed questions, and I thought, wow, that's that's great. I mean, I don't mind at all. But she said, um, you know, she was wondering if nurses are suffering from PTSD. Well, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're doctors, uh, police officers, first responders, because like I said, it's it's kind of a human thing. But she said she wanted to know if I had any type issues while serving in SEAL Team over 20 years and um, about 18 of it at war. Um, so, Nancy, the answer is, of course. Of course I did. And do, to a degree, right? But I will say this about this entire topic I'm about ready to talk about, which is, but all of us can get help. All of us, there are mechanisms and professionals, and we know more today about PTSD, depression, anxiety, survivor guilt, uh, sadness and sickness and mental injuries than we ever have. So there is ways to recover. And I myself 
uh, am one of those people. And so I love talking about it when given the opportunity. Um, but what I would say to you, Nancy, because you mentioned nightmares, and one of the things I think a lot of vets, or at least me, it took a long time to come off of what I call hyper-awareness. So being um, hyper-aware of potential dangerous situations um, in the wrong appropriate times, right? You know, going out to eat with my family, um, you know, being at a, a basketball game or something. So I, I carried a lot of hyper-awareness uh, with me far too long, um, even while I was active, but then I wasn't in situations that it was required. And so, you know, it took a lot of um, exercises and kind of ramping down to not constantly be hyper aware or switched on. And I think a lot of people probably in the medical field to your questions kind of have that as well because they switch on They're you know, they're doing the job, they're doing the job. And then all of a sudden you've got to switch off and go home. Um, and so I struggled a lot with that. Nightmares for me is not too bad. It, it used to be, but I would say that it is very common in any t- type of traumatic event that you, as your brain processes while you're asleep, um, you are going to have nightmares. Um, they're normal. You're going to um, relive, you know, in the typical dream state, some of the things that um, have caused that trauma. But again, I want you to know that's normal. You know, what you do about them is, is where the big difference is. Uh, Nancy, uh, the biggest thing I struggled with over the years, uh, was survivor guilt. Um, everybody, I think in the military and especially the small units always feels like, Oh, it could have been different if I was there. There's a little bit of hubris there thinking, Oh, you're so highly trained. You, you, you could make a difference. Um, and so when something catastrophic happens to friends and you're not there or it happens with you there, um, survival guilt was very tough for me. Um, and, and oftentimes in SEAL team, a, a lot of, uh, bad, uh, Catastrophic SEAL missions would make the national news, and so you know it would be playing out on TV, and I, I it would throw me into a really, really bad funk, um, and you know, and a lot of questions of why not me, you know, why me, why did I survive, why didn't I survive, and and I think that's common. Um, moral injuries, I, I don't have any moral injuries. I conducted myself all the time, and my men, um, probably because my grandfathers and mothers and fathers served in World War II, Korea, Vietnam. I understood that there can be moral injuries from war. That's kind of what I call the gift that keeps on giving. And so I always made decisions for myself and and my men um, and women on the right side of the rules of engagement, on the right side of um, morality or at least Western morality as we believe in it, because I didn't want young people who might not have understood the totality of the situation to hopefully lessen that impact. So that wasn't, wasn't that bad. Um, some of the stuff I deal with a, a lot is sadness and kind of uh, maybe mental um, anger or s- maybe even sickness at decisions I s- saw out of Washington, D.C. over the years at times. I was very frustrated with what happened in Benghazi. I think a lot of guys in special operations would, would say that as well. Um, you hope and pray that your leaders believe in America as much as you do. And, you know, they will always come get you. They will always do the best they can to make the right decisions. Um, I, I'm sickened by the Afghanistan pullout. Um, I feel bad f- 
for our country. I feel bad for Afghan people. I feel bad in this case right here in Nebraska, Corporal Dagan Page's family, um, because we could have done better. And those things are kind of a deep wound sometimes. Um, Sure, I have uh, I have frustrations from bad decisions I made. Right, the old thing I talk about a lot of time: choices and consequences. Um, so those will be there. But really, for me, uh, like a lot of people, uh, again, right, wrong, or indifferent, and I've been open about it on the show. I'll continue to be. You know, I'm an addict. Um, it started with pills, um, oxycotton, and 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 the Percocets, the pain blocking pills, because of injuries. I had 18 injuries. And eight or eighteen surgeries in the course of my career, um, and you know that numbs some of it. It's a bad coping mechanism if you get addicted, and then you know uh, that turned to alcohol. And I was able to get clean uh, in two thousand fifteen, and uh, and you know a lot of those can be coping mechanisms that you think work for all of the above, all that I just described from my career, but in fact they make it worse. And so I, you know, I learned to have better coping mechanisms, right? More healthy coping mechanisms because the things we've discussed, whether it be moral injuries, survivor guilt, PTSD, you know, depression, you know, they just don't go away. And so, yes, I've used professionals. I use friendships, um, kinships with people that also have gone through those things. And I stay close and talk to those networks. Um, one of the best things that I've done. Right. You ask me, what can you do? Um, yeah. Start a group. Start a group with people that have gone through this simple experience. Vets, we get together, have lunches. I help people with this stuff. Um, this is what I do, whether it be one on one or helping in actual foundations, because that helps um, me heal. So you're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, finishing it up here. Patty Pansy Brooks was on first segment. Uh, really enjoyed that. She's running for the first uh, congressional district against Mike Flood. Um, Ron, great question about, you know, do you trust the institutions, the FBI? You know, try to break that down as best I can. And, and really, Nancy, I don't know if I did you justice. I could talk about this topic all day long. As a matter of fact, I don't like to plug it, but you asked, hey, I have a podcast called The Dark Side of Elite. If you go to that just type it in any pod platform, you'll find it. I talk extensively about my service as well as many others and dealing with this stuff. Um, so the answer is all the above, but it's what we do with the trauma, folks, that matters. I don't feel that I'm a victim. I feel that I'm a survivor. Um, I'm very compassionate for people that have issues. What do I do now? I stay around vets that have similar. We talk. We have lunches. Form your own support group. Get professional help if you need it. There's no problem. There's so many programs, right? We have tons of SEALs that go through programs as a transition. I started my own foundation helping SEAL families 13 years ago. They come to Nebraska, have a great weekend retreat. I, it's, I'm so proud of it. I help with the Nebraska Soldiers Foundation and, and, and finding monies for mental health for our National Guard and, and Guardsmen here in the state. And then, I, you know, I'm an ambassador for a great resource called uh, Same Here Global. Type it up. Same Here Global. Started by a guy that was an NBA exec. It's a phenomenal new approach to mental health and, and all of that. And you may enjoy it. And then the other thing is... I just talk one-on-one openly and honestly with others about it because that helps you deal with some of these mental health issues that can come from 
extreme service, right? And it doesn't matter, or extreme trauma, okay? So um, that's what I got for you, Nancy. I appreciate the question.